few weeks ago, I had a, I had a, a fairly not crazy uh, thing happen that kind of reminded me of something powerful. Um, I was, I was driving home and getting off the highway, and I saw a, I was in a long line of cars, and I saw a guy with a sign, a homeless guy, um, which they're all over Athens, um, and he was holding a sign that said, "Why lie? I need beer." <laughs> and he was kind of walking by all these cars, and nobody was rolling down their window. And I thought, well, my first response was, yeah, I'm not going to enable you to go get some beer, man. That's just, like, not what I do. And, you know, I, I, when I said that, I was thinking about, like, all the things the Lord has taught me about helping people and not enabling them and empowering them instead. Um, but then I felt a check in my spirit. I felt like the Lord said, hey, actually, I want to haunt him with an opportunity to know me. So give him some money. <laughs> so, okay. So I grabbed some cash, rolled down my window, and he very happily, like, strolled up and reached for the cash. And when he reached for it and he grabbed onto the money, I held onto it. And he looked at me. He was like, what are you doing? And I said, I said look, you can have this. But by accepting it, you're, you are also accepting that the Lord is going to haunt you with an opportunity to know him. And he got so upset. Immediately, he, like, dropped his hand. And he's, like, moving around. He's like, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> he started mumbling about this uh, rehab program that he had done with a church, like, years past. And I didn't really know what to say. And finally, he looked at me. He's like, okay. So he took the money. And I rolled my window back up, and the light was taking forever. And a few minutes later, I see him, like, walk all the way back up to see me. He's, like, signaling for me to roll down my window. And I rolled down my window, and he just looks at me. He's, he's got tears in his eyes. He's just like, my name's Mark. Remember me in your prayers. I was just like, Okay. <laughs> So anyway, I've been, I've been praying for Mark, and I, I hope that at the end of this we can do that real quick. Um, but it just reminded me, like, I've learned so much, you know, being in, in kingdom community. God, reading God's word just teaches you so much about how to live rightly. And I come from a background where I very easily could have been like Mark. I mean, I was like on that path. But God totally transformed my life by haunting me with an opportunity to know him like over and over again. Um, but it just reminded me that it's easy when you learn something, when you learn a truth in the kingdom, to not listen to God's voice. It's very easy to think, you know, like a lot of like the Pharisees' rules that they added on to like the, the law that Jesus was like debunking as he's, you know, walking on the earth, a lot of those actually started out in like, kingdom principles, so to speak. They were good things. You know, like wash your hands. <laughs> you know, don't eat wheat on Sunday because we're supposed to rest and Sabbath. Those are good things, but like Jesus was like, no, it's actually more important to have a relationship with the Father where you're hearing his voice than like adhere to all these principles. Not that those principles are bad. It's just that to remain poor in spirit is the key for to get the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So anyway, that's just been like 
that's been haunting me <laughs> since that happened. And um, so anyway, I hope it blesses you guys. If we could just for a second just pray for Mark real quickly. All right, Lord, we just thank you for Mark. We don't know where he's at. We don't know his past, or, um, but we know that his future is secure in you. So we, we just declare salvation over him, Lord. We ask that you would invade his heart, that you would just clear all the cobwebs, Lord, and that you would reorder his thinking and that you would give him a sound mind, that you would deliver him of all evil and that you would go ahead of him and pave a path of gold and healing before him. And Lord, we also ask that you would bring healers into his life, uh, people who can heal the mind and the heart, and people who can show him who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So good, Matt. That was awesome. Well, this morning I want to talk about moving in the opposite spirit, which is uh, kind of what Matt did. He, he moved against what his first inclination was. Um, but this is, uh, this is a powerful thing that as Christians we're actually called to do. And I want to start in, in Romans chapter 12 and starting in verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, blessed do not curse them. Now, right off the bat, that's not normally human instinct is to bless those who persecute you um, and, and do, he says, bless them and do not curse them. 17, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, and I'm reminded of the story of John Sanford, who you may have heard me talk about him before, but he was founder of Elijah House, which is a healing ministry. He passed away a few months ago at the age of 88, I believe, but was a pioneer in the prophetic movement, pioneer in inner healing. And uh, he actually had a grandchild, this was during the 80s, who was molested by a man. The guy was caught, he was put in jail. And the Lord said, I want you to visit this guy in jail and minister to him. And yeah, now you can't, now the, every, the initial reaction is, to that is, is our flesh, you know, where it's like, you, you can't do that in your own strength. You can't do that in your own mind. You have to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit to do that. And, and so he didn't, you know, he didn't want to really want to do it initially, but he, he obeyed the Lord. And it was like I said last week, I said, when you obey this, the Spirit, it slays the flesh. And so he, just out of simple obedience, just out of a choice, he started visiting this man and he started ministering to him. He led this man to the Lord. And then he ended up actually loving this man, you know, and this guy who did it, uh, an atrocious evil. And, you know, and my first thought is, is that, that it takes, that only God could do that in a person to be able to love like that. That's the love that God has for me and you. That's the same kind of love that he had for each and every one of us because we are, are born in, in treason against God, so to speak. We're born in, into rebellion. We're born into pride. 
And God, even, in the, even while we were sinners, yet while we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. And so we're called to, to, to move in this opposite spirit, to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. Uh, Edmund Burke, Sir Edmund Burke said the, you know, the only reason evil prospers in this world is because good men choose to do nothing. And so we, we, we have a choice to overcome evil with good. So moving in the opposite spirit, it means I'm going to combat a negative with a, with a positive from the word of God. So if discourage, discouragement comes against me, I give away encouragement. I find somebody to encourage. If jealousy comes against me, I give away empowerment. If ungratefulness or pessimism comes against me, I move into thanksgiving. And so there's times where I, I had a, uh, as many of y'all know, I, I talk about that, the fact that I love to play basketball. And a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, I was playing basketball. And this guy I was playing with, he was on the other team, just started uh, to not go into detail. He just started trash talking me. And it was really for no reason, unprovoked. I didn't even say anything to this guy. And he started accusing me of stuff on the basketball court. I really was, I was like, what is going on right now? And so at the end of the game, you know, he, he's just talking and he's talking, he's talking. And I'm not saying anything, but in honesty, I, I just was like, I need to get out of here because uh, I just don't need to give myself an opportunity for old Travis to rise up. And so I left. I came home. Jessica was like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm pretty mad. And, I, you know, I, I dump it all on Jessica. And, uh, and she's telling me, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to, I'm not going to play basketball again over there. I'm not going to do that. This is, this is not why I play basketball. And she's like, don't let that steal basketball away from you. And uh, I was like, that's right, that's right, that's, that's good. And uh, as Jessica, you know, wives are, they're like Holy Spirit Junior, right? Everybody knows that. And so I, uh, and so the Lord was like, you need to move in the opposite spirit. And so I sent this guy a message. I had his, uh, had his phone number. And I sent him this message and I said, hey man, and he does, this guy does a lot of good in the community. And so I just wrote a paragraph about thanking him for how he encourages young people, young athletes in the community, the way he, and he is a, he's a good coach. He's a, he's a coach in the area, but he, I was like, man, thank you for the way you, you highlight these student athletes, you encourage them. And, you, and he's a, he was a Christian too. I mean, is a Christian. And so I said, thank you for the way you want these kids to know Jesus. And I just, I just bragged on him and thanked him for what he's, he did in the community. And uh, the next day, he puts a Facebook post on, posting, what a wonderful guy I am. Now, I didn't ask him to do that. And, he's, and, he, and then he keeps on. And then like, we're... Every time I run into him, and even any chance that he sees me in public, he calls me out and says, hey, this is Travis Gay. He played basketball at Oconee, and I'm just kind of like, I'm not, things that I'm not asking for or trying to do, but what happened was is just I moved in the opposite spirit of, of what he did, and I recognized that maybe this guy was just having a bad day. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? That that really wasn't his heart. But I called out who God made him to be, not the way he was acting. And so you can do that by, by moving in the opposite spirit. And so Thanksgiving in particular always works in moving you towards God. Thanksgiving is part of the will of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, if you, if you don't know what the will of God is for your life, then this tells you. You pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks, rejoice always, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So thanksgiving, you can always enter into the will of God simply by giving thanks. That's how powerful it is. It's the opposite of what this world, the spirit of the world is. The spirit of the world is you owe me. The spirit of the world is there's not enough. And somebody else is responsible. And so Thanksgiving goes, flies in the face of those three things. It always moves you towards God. And part of this sermon I've preached about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I just really felt like the Holy Spirit, it was a word for me again, but also just um, the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of this. And, you know, sometimes you hear preachers preach the same thing, and sometimes it's because we're not getting it. And we got to hear it again, you know what I'm saying? And so even for me, the Lord will remind me of words that he spoke to me. It's like, you, you still haven't got it yet. So here I am. <laughs> I'm speaking the same thing to you, buddy. And the Lord, I remember I was just getting down on myself, and the Lord said, don't believe you, believe me. And the Lord, he actually said, you need to repent for unbelief because you're believing you and not me. So Moses, when he went and he told the Lord, and he said, I can't stand before Pharaoh. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to give a speech. Moses, who was Moses looking at, himself or God, Josiah? Himself. So when you look at yourself, you, you, you probably will start getting discouraged. But when you look at the Lord, you'll be encouraged. When you look at what he's, what he's calling you to do, you, you just don't limit you by yourself. And probably the part of the problem is our voice it's so natural and it's so loud in our heads. And then we get, and then the enemy throws in his voice. And then he wants you to believe that his voice is your voice. And then sometimes he wants you to believe his voice is God's voice. And so you have, that's why you got to know what this says. To distinguish between the voices. Not every thought that comes into your mind is from God. Not every thought that comes into your mind is from you. And so you have to realize that. You have to understand. And so when, you, when you're like, I'm just no good, I keep messing up, I can't, and you got to believe what God says about you is that, listen, you were messing up when he saved you, right? What do you think? He, and he doesn't change. So what? he's not going to change when you're messing up and, and you know him. If your heart is to, to walk with him. Now he, he it's like my, my, my kids, Josiah, when he 
was learning to ride the bike or he was learning to walk. When Josiah was learning to walk, I didn't send a video of him stumbling on his first steps to my, to my, grand, my parents, his grandparents, and be like, can you believe Josiah fell down after two steps? Look at him. He doesn't get it. No, we're like, this, check it out. He, did, he took two steps. Look, he made two steps. But was Josiah walking yet? No, he wasn't walking. And so part of our problem is that we, we don't celebrate progress. We only celebrate perfection. And so we, we need to celebrate the steps that we're making towards God. We need to celebrate the fact that we're growing in God. We need to celebrate the fact that we're maturing in the Lord. But the, the Lord just, he doesn't want you to focus on you. He wants you to focus on him because we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we have to believe what God says. In Mark chapter 9, this is one of my favorite prayers. Jesus said, this man, his son was uh, demon possessed. The disciples couldn't cast out this demon. And it says, Lord, every time... Uh, the demon tries to throw him in the water or throw him in the fire. He tries to kill him. And uh, he says, if you're able, will you, will you help my son? And Jesus said, if, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. How many of us are, are in that place where we're, we're like, Lord, I do believe, but I know there's part of me that needs to believe. I know there's a part of my heart that, that, needs, to, that needs to believe that there's, un, there's unbelief there. And I think this is a powerful prayer. I don't think God's ashamed of this prayer. I, don't think he, I think this is a prayer that this guy tapped into that is a powerful prayer because it moves you into a life of faith. It moves you into a life of believing. And it says in Ephesians 3, it says that pray that God would but through his glorious riches, strengthen you in, in your inner man through his spirit that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, he's preaching to, to Christians. This is a prayer for Christians. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm asking that God, that Jesus Christ invade every single place of your heart, the unbelieving places of your heart, the old places that the new man is taking over. I pray that God saturate every part of your heart that you may know what is the height, the, the depth, the width, the breadth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So every part of our heart coming into a place of believing. Jesus was the example of a heart fully believing the Father. The, the disciples, the apostles, they all Paul, you throw him in there. They all had their, their moments where they needed help with their unbelief. Peter, who was called the rock, denied Jesus three times. You had Thomas, you had Andrew, you had Nathaniel, who was, he said, could anything good come out of Nazareth? And you know what, you know how Jesus responded to Nathaniel, he said, behold, a man with, with whom there is no guile. And he, basically he was saying, Nathaniel, I love your honesty. <laughs> but here's Nathaniel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip, who said, 
Jesus, Jesus. He's, Philip's been with Jesus for three years, and he says, Jesus, show us the Father, Now be enough. And Jesus is like, Philip, three years, have you not seen the Father? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like they, they all had their moments. John and James fighting. They're like, Jesus, remember when you come into your kingdom? Jesus, can I get you for a second? <laughs> all right, now listen, we know you're about to become king of Israel like David was, right? Because you're the son of David. Can we sit on either side of you by the throne? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. And then he said, listen, if you're able to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink, you can. And so he's basically, are you willing to die? Are you willing to go to the cross? <laughs> are you willing to love people unto death? And then through the Holy Spirit, they're able to, but not of their own power. Repenting is turning away from unbelief and actually turning into rest. Hebrews 4 talks about when we believe, we actually enter the rest of God. So believing God is actually the cure for anxiety and depression and worry. Is believing what God says. It's putting trust in it. So belief in God equals rest. Part of moving in the opposite spirit is to believe what God says about your situation. And so you say you're, um, you've had unexpected expenses come up. You got too many expenses, not enough income. God says he'll provide all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, I've used that when, I, when we're, our babies were little and, and they kept waking up through the night. And I, I've, I've got uh, two hours of sleep and I work at, and I got to work a full day or I've got to come in and preach or I've got to do whatever. And I've got two hours of sleep and I was like, Lord, you provide for all of my needs. I need sleep. I need, I need like energy. But you provide all of my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And I declare... His kingdom come. I remember one time I was laying down with Josiah, and he was probably a year old. I was laying, and at this point, Josiah was needing some help to go to sleep, and so we'd lay down with him. And I just would just remember being so tired because I had worked. I used to work from eight to twelve at LA Fitness, and then four to eight, and then when I came home, it was taking care of our kids and stuff, and. It was just, and then you get up and you repeat. And I just remember laying in the bed and I said, God, there's no sleepy people in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nobody's sleeping in heaven, right? Because <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> so I, 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 I was a simple prayer. I was like, Lord, I need energy. Your kingdom come. So God is not looking for perfect men and women. He's just looking for believers. Another way to put that is just he's just looking for courage. He's not looking for perfect men and women. He's looking for courage. And so Joshua was not full of confidence when Moses died. One of the ways God spoke to Moses, I mean, Joshua, he said, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, guess what? 
All the promises of God are yes and amen. Just recently, the Lord, he gave me a scripture out of Deuteronomy 33, and he says, favor, I heard the Lord speak to me this past week, and he said, favor is on your head. And I was like, all right, Lord, what does that mean? And I looked it up in my Bible app, and I came to Deuteronomy 33, and it was actually a prophecy that, that um, Moses was giving Joseph. And he was talking about, he said, favor will be upon your head. And I was like, Lord, I've never had a word about being a Joseph. You've called me a Joshua. You've called me a Barnabas. And he said, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He said, so all the promises I made to every person in the Bible are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So you get not only Joseph's, you get Joshua's, you get David's, you get Solomon's, you get because they're all yes in Jesus all right? So he's not, he's not looking for perfect men and women. He's looking for believers. And he asked Joshua just to have courage. Now, when you step out in faith, it doesn't mean that there's not an ounce of doubt there or whatever, or however you want to put it, or there's not any, a little bit of fear. The courage is simply, I'm choosing to trust you. It's like, um, if you want to, it's like walking the plank, or I, I, I like to talk about the movement sidewalk at the airport where our, our, the courage part for us is to step onto that moving sidewalk and then the grace of God just carries us where we need to go. But you do have to get on the sidewalk. You do have to make that choice to get on. Now this is Hebrews chapter four. This is through the, uh, the Passion Translation. Now if the promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. All right? So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rest in them. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit and bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret. And nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. And then I'm going to come back to this, the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to go back to verse 12, and it talks about the, the sword of the Spirit. Most translations, it says it's a two-edged sword. The sword of the Spirit is, the Word of God is a two-edged sword. But that word can also be translated as a two-mouthed sword. And so one edge of that sword of the Word of God is the Word when it comes out of God's mouth. And this other edge of the sword is the Word of God when it comes out of your mouth. And so when you come into agreement with the Word of God, that two-edged sword comes and slays your enemies. 
So one, it's one edge of that sword comes from the, is out of God's mouth, and the other edge of the sword is when it comes out of our mouths. It's, it's a two-mouth sword. And the Lord is just looking for somebody to come into agreement. To agree with him is, is all he's asking, to come into alignment with him. And then when we come in, and coming into alignment is actually coming in to Christ, is coming, is being in Christ. That's when you, because I imagine when we're, you know, you can, Jesus is over here. If you, just to give you a visual, if he, Jesus is standing here and he and the Holy Spirit are praying prayers for you, and I'm over here, and I'm praying all these prayers for myself and my family, but I'm not listening to what they're praying. And I could just be praying, praying, praying all day long, and I'm not even hitting the, the mark. It's a one-edged sword at this point. But when I come into alignment and I come into agreement, I actually step into Christ while I'm in Christ, abiding in Christ, and I listen to him first, agree with him, and pray what he's praying. And then you have a much more fulfilling prayer life. <laughs> but it, it does take you to listen first. What is God saying over, over this situation? I remember, I, I, I'll tell this story, but I had, um, was in Dallas, downtown. This was probably 2003. There was a man who was uh, deaf on the streets asking for money. And I gave him money, but I, and I felt like the Lord said pray for him, but I didn't pray for him. And I was just so upset with myself. I came, I got home, and I just was talking to the Lord. I was like, God, what's that about? And I'm just, you know, rattling off a bunch of words, which was un, is unusual for me anyways. And so, uh, other than when I'm preaching. And so, the Holy Spirit interrupted me. He doesn't, you know, sometimes he's not a gentleman. He interrupts you, and he, sometimes he'll make you fall down when you don't want to fall down and all that kind of stuff. And so, he, so Holy Spirit interrupted me. He said, you need to listen to me a lot more than I need to listen to you. And I was like, that makes sense. You know a lot more than I do. All right, Holy Spirit, what went on? <laughs> you know, and then, then get quiet. And that's actually part of prayer. That's part of prayer is listening to the Lord. Now I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit helping us move in the opposite spirit, okay? That, that the fruit of the spirit are actually weapons of warfare, for, weapons of righteousness, okay? Because the spirit, like I said, nothing can come against this. There is no law against this. So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That means nothing can defeat these things, <laughs> Nothing can, like, oppress these things. And so the fruit of the Spirit are weapons. Now, I want to highlight self-control because it doesn't seem to fit with the other eight. Just think of this. The other eight are branches, and the, and the, the fruit of self-control is like the trunk. It's where the other fruits sprout off of. That's just, you know, an interpretation. But the fruit of self-control, and this is key, the fruit of self-control is pressing the pause button on negativity. Sometimes when the ne negative thoughts come in, negative circumstances, and we just, it starts to, it says the enemy comes in like a flood, right? And you get overwhelmed, and then you start just responding to the flood. Now, I recently got dumped in the Nantahala River. 
and the water was 53 degrees and I was in a waterfall. I didn't try to get out. I got done, I hit a rock. <laughs> and that water was, ca and so what, cold water took my breath away. When I came up to breathe, water went in my mouth. Then the raft went over my head. And then I was carried along by the river and I was in a flood. It felt like if I was just like, <gasps> well, I'm trying to get some air. And I, don't, I didn't know where I was in the river. You get disoriented really, really quickly because all of a sudden I've, I'm underwater, rafts over my head, it's cold, quickly disoriented. And I'm floating backwards down the river and I'm gonna tell you what, what saved me. I hit a boulder in my back and it didn't feel good. I just went bam and it was like ooh. And I held onto it and I flipped. And there was another rock, and I literally sat in a cleft between two rocks in the river, and it stopped me from going down the river. And then I was able to get oriented. I was able to get my bearings back. I could see where Jessica and the kids were. I could see where everybody, the other boats were, of our, Megan and my family. And the Lord literally sat me in the cleft of the rock to where I could see to get clarity. And we're seated in Christ, when, and he is, he is the rock. And Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock when, the, when, his, when God's glory went by. And it's the place where we abide, and it's the place of clarity. And it's the fruit of self-control helps us hit the pause button. It puts us in the cleft of the rock so we can get clarity on what's actually happening, happening and not get swept away by the flood. And so... It allows our new man to rise up with the mind of Christ and the nature of God. Self-control brings us into clarity and engagement with God. It's where we can stop and be like, God, what's happening? What are you saying? What are you doing? That's what self-control does. And it helps the other eight come, for, come forth. I talked about the two the two-mouth sword, when our voice synchronizes with God's, all heaven breaks loose. So I want us to declare these things together, these, that these fruits, were, um, that what the fruit of the Spirit does for us in, in helping us move in the opposite spirit. So uh, we'll read these together where I, I can exhaust the enemy for my love for people because I'm learning to love, for example, and we're going to go through this list together. So y'all read with me. The first one, I can exhaust the enemy with my love for people because I'm learning to love. I can depress the enemy by learning joy. I can weary him by becoming peaceful. I can demoralize him with my patience. I can discourage him with my kindness. I can overcome him with goodness. I can debilitate him with acts of faithfulness. I can trouble him with gentleness. I can dismay him with my self-control. I can dishearten him with my faith. I can weaken him with my mercy. I can intimidate him with my intimacy. I can devastate him with grace. I can paralyze him with compassion and I can cripple him with humility. The devil's already, he's already defeated. And um, I just, we were praying this morning and it just, 
Psalm 2, I was reminded of Psalm 2 where it says, Why do the kings and the nations rage in vain? They plot their schemes, they devise their plans, and he who sits in the heavens laughs. And that thought, I just remembered the thought, is like, all of the devil's plans are in vain. They are in vain. Jesus wins. Like, Jesus makes everything work for our good. If it's not good, it's not the end when you're in Christ Jesus. If it's not good, it's not the end. All things end good for those in Christ Jesus. Does it mean it's not hard in between? But it means you've got Jesus with you. And that all the devil's plans are in vain. All his plans against the nations, his plan against the U.S., it's in vain. The plan against all the nations of the earth, it's in vain. Because it says Jesus' glory will cover the, the earth like the waters covers the sea. It, the Bible says that in every nation, Jesus will be exalted. Every single nation, Jesus will be recognized as king of the earth. That he is the one true living God. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and there is no one like him and there never will be. And that he will come for his bride. Jesus will have his way. He says, I make known the beginning from the end, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. He will do all that he pleases. The choice for us, do we want to get in on it? That's simply our choice because he will do all that he pleases. So let's stand up. You got something there? So I can go ahead and stand up. But just as, as Travis is talking about... Um, you know, he's going to do all that he pleases. He's, you know, he is the king of the universe. And in the end times, he says he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. So we just take a minute and think about what that means. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. So our unbelief is going to be shaken. Those areas are going to be shaken. Where the promises are not our belief, it's going to be shaken. And so I'm just praying this morning that over our community, over the body of people of the awakening, that the Lord will shine light on the lies in our hearts. So the things that we have begun to be taught by the prince of the air and of the world, that those things will be shaken because they are fragile. So I'm just going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you shake the shakeable in me. And if you want that, you can ask the Lord. Shake the shakeable in me. I want to get in with you on you doing all that you please. And so many times in life, the lies that the enemy has taught us, that the prince of the air, the ways of the world have taught us, become our own truth. Holy Spirit, will you come and shine your light on those lies? 
on the deep-rooted lies in our heart. Because when we see your lies, we will repent. We will repent from unbelief and turn to rest. We commit ourselves to you as your children. And as you expose the works of the enemy, we will choose Christ. And you replace those lies with your truth that we may walk in a new way, living in the abundance that you died for, Jesus. We just ask you to start with us. That we will be faithful with what you've given us. And that we will go and love with the love and truth that you put in us. Thank you, God. Amen. And so I just felt like the Lord was saying that many of the lies that we believe in our heart are actually the very opposite of the truth. And so because the enemy is not creative, he can only pervert. So, um, so for example, if, you are, if, you, if your area of struggle is anger, then you, you're probably call, called to be a, a person of peace. You know, if, and so it's just a real simple example. But if you're believing something about yourself that is not in line with Scripture and you're like, but I don't know what the truth is. It's not complicated. It's the opposite. So you just flip it because that's what the enemy has done throughout history as he flips the script, right? Can you really trust God? Yes, I can really trust God. I mean, it's the opposite, right? It was simple in the garden. It's still simple. So as the Lord exposes the lies, believe and rest in his truth. Because you are the army of God. You are the harvesters of the lost. And so it's very important that we're believing the truth. And over and over in Scripture, it says that, that the people were drawn to the light. So as the light shines on your lie and you repent, the light comes through you and people can, are drawn to that. So go ahead and expose yourself and let people be drawn to the light in you. You don't need to walk around like you're perfect, but you walk around like you are loved by the perfect one. Because there is a lost world. There are people who need Jesus. They need the love of God. They're fighting a battle that's bigger than themselves. And we have like the most amazing weapons to fight with them against the enemy. And so as long as we're being taught by the prince of the world, we are crippled. It's like our weapons are in their satchel with a lock on them, and we can't get them out. So as the lies are exposed, we believe the truth. That satchel is open, and we can wield those weapons, the fruit of the Spirit, 
against the enemy. You guys are such amazing warriors. When I look out at you, I see an army. Not only an army full of passion and zeal, but an army full of love from heaven. It's so beautiful. So take that love to those that you know are hurting. We're not afraid of sin because we are children of God.